Status Podcast. And so we came to um, New Hampshire when we when we moved here, you know, and and it, and it was again, it was a, it's a huge culture shock because when I first when we first arrived, we arrived at JFK, and I think we uh, we spent some time there. Man, and I just remember thinking America was like a. I had a vision of America in my mind. So, like I mentioned earlier, my dad would take trips here and there to VR for a couple of weeks every year. And, you know, in his suitcase, his luggage, he would always carry around some Irish Spring soap. <laughs> Irish and Spring. Every time he would open up that suitcase, that smell would just come out of that suitcase. <laughs> for the longest time, I thought that's what America smelled like. Dang. I thought America smelled like Irish Spring. That's it. We got up the plane and, and, and we landed and we're driving around New York. I was like, man, this doesn't smell like Irish Spring. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't smell like Irish Spring, man. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Status Podcast, where Dana, Ty, and Zay encourage student-athletes to take action to universally succeed. The Status Podcast is designed to achieve encompassment of the student-athlete and their journeys while navigating multiple avenues. Our goal is to discuss, analyze, and create powerful ways that our student-athletes can benefit from using their platform to grow holistically. The Status Podcast will feature topics that can open the eyes of student-athletes to endless possibilities in sports and beyond. We, as former student-athletes, are passionate about the student-athlete experience and using our personal testimonies to repurpose the journey of the life, sports, and education. We plan to capitalize on opportunities to speak on topics regarding the wellness of student-athletes, both physically and mentally. We will use our voices to empower and supply the world's athletes with tools to be successful during and after their student-athlete experience. Be sure to follow our Instagram at status412 underscore. No, it's going to be a good conversation because you always got some good things to say, some good stories to tell. So it's always going to be good talking to you, bro. In case you ain't know, Gus was my roommate in college. Uh, as soon as we got there freshman year, me and my boy hit it off. We uh, we was in them little rooms together, and, you know, ever since, we've been cool. Boy, hey, you know, and you know what's funny, though? You guys had that episode about, you know, the compensation of student-athletes and all that stuff, and and just kind of the, the what, what was it, the course that you mentioned, Ty, that, that all those student-athletes mm -hmm. get? Uh, for financial literacy. Oh, boy, we needed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't know how to act because no honestly you know just coming from where i came from i was the i was the first one in my family to go to college uh i i never really saw somebody that was close to me doing anything as far as investment uh it was paycheck to paycheck you got to do what you got to do to get by and then you get to college and you know, my first taste of actually just getting some money was when I took my official visit. And Whoa, then what they, what they I got back to school. What you get? Come on, man. I'm not gonna bang my boy Coach Edsel. Talk a little bit more about that. No, no, wait, wait. So so I get back to, you know, at, at this point in my in my high school career, I'm I'm playing at a boarding school. And and so I go back on campus. And I get a check for like a hundred and like sixty bucks. 
And and it was for mileage. Yeah. But at the time, I had no idea what it was for. <laughs> and I get this check and I'm like, man, this is some illegal stuff going on right here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I hit up my I hit up my uh my recruiting coach, who at the time just happened to be my positional coach. And I was like, hey, Coach Foley, man. I got some money and I don't know where this money's coming from. I don't know what I what I'm getting this money for. And that's when he broke it down with regards to uh, you know, the 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 mileage and just for the trip down there. Cause I had to go from, you know, northern New Hampshire all the way down to Connecticut. Yeah. And so it was a good amount of money just going down there. I took the trip with my dad. He had to go get me at the boarding school and then we went down there. But uh, and then you get to school. And they give you that first check, boy. You don't know how to act. The Pell you know they. I've never had a bank account. What, I don't know what to do with this. What did you do with your money whenever you, uh, whenever you got that first Pell Grant? Listen, I remember I might have gone to Walmart to cash it out for like a small <laughs> fee. If for a small fee, they cash it out for you. And so I take the money and I'm back. And I got all this money in cash. And I'm like, man, what am I going to do with this money? I've never had this much money in my hands at one time. So I have no bank account. This thing is in my dorm. And Tymir and I, I don't know, we had the, we had the habit of like sleeping with our doors open. And uh, unlocked, 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 unlocked. <laughs> and I remember just every day I was finding a new spot in the room. Let me put this money here. So nobody got on to me. You know what I mean? If somebody saw me pull a little cash out of this corner, then I'm like, well, that's where he keeps his money. I was in there every corner. I was putting him in socks, in the drawers, somewhere in the closet, under the bed. Man, I had a, and I don't know if you remember Tymir at the time, I had a little SpongeBob pillow. And I thought about stuffing that pillow up like dudes was out there doing some illegal activity in the streets and stuff, man. So, you know, that, that was just a, a funny story of uh, how, you know, when you get that money, you just, at, at first you really don't know what, what to do and you don't know how to kind of go about it. All I knew is I didn't want to spend it all at once like that. And, you, you know, you I wanted to keep it so that if, what was that? Did you guys not have bank accounts growing up in DR? Oh, I didn't even know what those things were, brother. Like, uh, you know, I came here at a young age of 11. I'm, I I think I was just turning 11 when I came here. And so all those things I wasn't even thinking about. And, and it's a funny age when you come here at that age, because at that time, and I talk to Ty about this sometimes, you know, you're getting into grammar and doing all these things with school. And so I, 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 I stopped that in the Dominican Republic with Spanish. And then I come to the U.S. and then boom, I'm in sixth grade. <laughs> and I don't know a word of English. I came here with hello and how are you? That's all I knew. And Man. a couple of words, but my accent, you couldn't understand what I was saying. But um, you, 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 you get put into a classroom. And I don't know if you want to just get into it now or do you want to go through the whole thing? No, go ahead, bro. Talk, talk, no. tell you, talk your story, bro. Talk your story. Yeah, so you you I you know I, I moved to uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, which was uh, if anything a culture shock. 
It was just, you're in the middle. And, and, and the only thing that made me feel a little better was the fact that when I got to school and I, and I was placed there, um, I was placed in an ESL course, which is English as a second language. And so I was in a classroom with, you know, people who, you know, grew up to be my friends. But at the time, um, you know, it was it was refugees from Bosnia, um, refugees from South Sudan, and none of us spoke English. And so you want to have a conversation with somebody. It's like, man, I don't know English and I definitely don't know what you speak. <laughs> How do we figure this thing out? So we were in the classroom just trying to learn and assimilate as much as possible. And being so detached from your original culture just kind of fast forwards or speeds up your, your assimilation process. You have to learn or you're going to get left behind. So that was kind of my early years coming here. And I, that was, that's within like a few months of me just getting here. I thought I was going to come here and be out of school for, for, for a month or so. My dad put me in school right away. Uh, my brother and I were bummed about that. We thought we were going to have a little break. But um, that was just early on, just as far as getting into the classroom and things like that. I mean, this is what I'm talking right now. I, I didn't even plan on talking about until we kind of got through uh, everything that we were doing. But that's that. this is kind of some of the stuff I'm going to be speaking about. And obviously, yeah, my, yeah. as a foreign student athlete, it's going to be different than a lot of people's. Yeah, for sure. When did you did you start playing sports? Whenever as soon as you got here, I know you came and you you know you got into the classroom immediately. Uh, when did you start playing sports and you know getting into things like that? Any any what was the first extracurricular activity you did? The first actual team sport. No, no, the first anything like anything beyond your schoolwork. Not no matter if it's sports. So what was the first thing you got into as a kid? Was it sports or was it something different? Well. Kind of just being born in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Tell them, guys. Where I'm from. Um, it's it's almost engraved in our culture right now at this point with, with the baseball. Mm. You grew up around baseball all the time, you know. So when you say, mm. I can say, I mean, I, I play sports growing up, but really what I mean is baseball. There was really nothing. Mm. It was it was just that, and mm. every kid either threw through a baseball. A rock, a lemon. Man, you popped your sister's doll head off and threw that. You, I mean, anything uh, with regards to anything you could find that would simulate any baseball activity is what you did. We would take caps or bottles, toss them, try to hit them with sticks, um, beans, corn. I mean, it, it goes on, but everything was always revolving around baseball. And I wasn't really into sports like that. My brother was more so into sports than I was, and he's a year younger than I am. And so he was more involved with kind of team activities. I, I just kind of did it kind of on the side. You know, he wanted to play catch. I go out there and play catch with him. And uh, you would do things sometimes depending on your condition over there. You know, you either had the luxury of having enough money to buy a pair of gloves or 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 buying a, a catching glove or in a baseball bat, um, or or you just didn't. 
and what a lot of guys would do i mean you could you could you could research it and, and look at it and and it hits home with me i remember mariano rivera uh, pitcher for the Yankees, he used to talk about it all the time how he used to walk around with a little piece of cardboard box and he used to fold it a certain way and just hold it in his hand and that was his glove. I experienced that same thing, you know. So, um, but I was lucky enough to where, at the age of three, my father came to the United States of America. He was, um, and from that pro from that period, from that time on. You know, his his goal was to get my mom and my brother and I um, to the United States. And so from the age of three to the age of 11, uh, you know, I, I, I rarely saw my dad. He would come for a few weeks here and there every year, um, but he would always send us stuff. And we were some of the most fortunate people growing up where I was with regards to things. And just to kind of put it in perspective, it, it just, um, you know, we would get things like, Frosted flakes, you know, like you know, what I mean, like stuff like that was like a luxury, you know, like that's yeah. dope. That's part of American culture, and you want to be involved with American culture as much as possible. And and those those were little things like that that you know, um, just helped you out as far as growing up. But playing sports, I didn't really get into it till I came to the U.S. And and so I came here at the age of 11 and it wasn't until like I was around maybe 12 that I got involved or taught, yeah, around 12 that I got into Little League Baseball. That was the first time ever playing a team sport for me. And, you know, you show up to a team where when you barely know the language, my brother and I, and the first thing they would do is, you know, these guys, you know, we have to play them a little bit. They would toss us in the outfield. You know, they didn't know where to put us. We can't communicate really well. Um, you know, I remember my first game, they uh, they placed me on left field and they put my brother on right field. And he said the biggest left fielder. In, in he said the biggest left fielder. <laughs> yeah, no, and I was huge, man, when I was a little boy, man. <laughs> and uh, we would go out there and just warm up, touch the ball around, and we were throwing it. We were chucking it. You know, you just go up just throwing something. And so we were, as far as throwing ability, you know, a, a little more developed so much, somewhat than the other kids and uh, my brother especially. But, uh, you know, eventually they put us in different spots. You know, you got to pitch in, playing first base, third base and all that stuff. And I didn't really get into other sports till after. Then, then came basketball because my ESL teacher was um, a basketball coach for a church league, uh, Pat O'Neill, and he got us involved in basketball so that was kind of my second sport there um for after playing basketball for a while you know he he kind of saw me moving around saw my size and you know thought you know you, you ever thought about playing football and i looked at him and i was like i don't even know what that is <laughs> man you know, it wasn't until like the age of 13 i really knew what football was um i had no idea he and i remember there was a small um middle school team um near where i lived called the manchester bears and um he took me to a practice to check him out and then he asked me how i liked it and i was like i i don't like it at all you were scared to death. you said you saying yeah, people scared. don't get a little contact you were scared to death no it wasn't <laughs> even that i just didn't understand the game 
you know, to me, it just seemed like a bunch of dudes just slamming each other in the floor, you know, like on the ground. <laughs> so I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. And uh, he's like, you know, trust me, you'll, 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 you know, you'll like it if you play, you know, you, I think you could be pretty good at it. And so, you know, my dad just to kind of just get me out the house, um, keep me active, you know, because I was a little chubby back then. Uh, back then? Back then. Come on, man. Little, little something now. Come on. Did your dad move? Did he moved up to America to the New Hampshire with you. So he, uh, from the age of three till like I was about ten, he lived in New York. Okay. He was, he was there in the Bronx for a long time, and it wasn't until it was almost time for my brother and I to come to the U.S. that he moved to New Hampshire because of better job opportunities, and it was just better for a family situation at the time with regards to uh, living space um, and and those things. So he okay. moved there um, just with us in mind. And so we came to um, New Hampshire when we when we moved here, you know, and, and, it, and it was again, it was a, it's a huge culture shock because when I first when we first arrived, we arrived at JFK and I think we, uh, we spent some time there. Man. And I just remember thinking America was like a good. I had a vision of America in my mind. So like I mentioned earlier, my dad would take trips here and there to the VR for a couple of weeks every year. And, you know, in his suitcase, his luggage, he would always carry around some Irish spring soap. <laughs> Irish spring. Every time he would open up that suitcase, that smell would just come out of that suitcase. For the longest time, I thought that's what America smelled like. Dang. I thought America <laughs> Irish spring. That's it. Mm-hmm. We got up the plane and, and, and we landed and we we're driving around New York. I was like, man, this doesn't smell like Irish Spring. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't smell like Irish Spring, man. Not, not New York. <laughs> no. So, and then, you know, and then you think, you know, I'm thinking snow. And, and I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be frank with you. I'm my brother and I at that age, we're thinking white people. Man. We're like, yo. We gonna see white people all the time, and I, mean, <laughs> I come from. There's people of all complexions, you know. Right. My yep. dad's very fair skin compared to my mom. My mom is darker than I am, and and you know, my great grandfather was very dark. So I, I, I was used to different complexions, but we were just man, white people. We, there's gonna be white people everywhere, and you know, when you're driving around the middle of the Bronx, we're like, man, <laughs> it looked like this is my neighborhood. <laughs> my neighborhood. <laughs> So yeah. it was, uh, so it was, it was that experience early on, you know, just little funny things like that, and then um, with the food as well. I thought I was gonna have some real Americans. I don't know something, well, I, meatloaf. I don't know. My dad at one point, and I was like, yeah, let's let's go have some food. And uh, we get to uh, to a restaurant, and everybody's talking in Spanish. We're ordering chicken and rice. With some plantains, I was like, "Man, I just had this last night. What is what is what is going on here?" You know, <laughs> and then we got to New Hampshire, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, this is, like, this is more like you know? America. This, this is, is the, New Hampshire was more of what you viewed as America than New York was." Yeah. yeah wow. So hey, so just like uh, growing up, like you know, between that age you said three and eleven over there in Dior. Is the uh, the perspective of America pretty much the same around you know all your friends and everyone else down in the DR? 
that's like like you said quote unquote Iris springs or like a better place yes so that was always the thing i mean that's uh the american dream just coming here and and just just having a better life is is the goal for everybody um and you know you don't really realize it at, at that age for me you know you, you get it from from your parents and you know coming in and you arrive here and to get a little more serious tone to the stuff to the conversation it's it is quite a bit of pressure sometimes and it depends on how you know you, how you react depends on how well you do because you go from you know you're a young kid coming in and then the expectations of you have to have a better life than me start keeping it like we 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 tee you up now it's time for you to hit a home run out the park you know there's no reason why you shouldn't be successful you're here in an environment where anything is possible so, and and there's a lot of pressures to come with that with regards to like learning the language, being able to do to uh, translate or interpret for your parents coming in. Man. You know, I remember I remember early on, you know, once I start I started picking up the language a little quick, uh, uh, a little quicker than uh, you know like my dad would because you come here at an older age like he was he did, and it's a little harder for you to learn the language as a young kid is a little quite quite a bit um, easier uh, for you to pick up the language. And you know, I'm I'm 11 years old, 12 years old, trying to interpret tax returns. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I didn't know what this stuff meant in Spanish. I don't know what this stuff meant in English because I wasn't exposed to that stuff. I'm 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 12. You know, I'm 11 years old. So I, I seen a lot of pe people kind of buck off that 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 kind of pressure, and they tend to you know just I'm gonna do my own thing. And there's other people that kind of rise to the occasion and just like, you know what, I'm gonna continue to follow what it is my parents want me to do and and, and try to be successful with that. And and that's kind of where I tended to kind of roll uh, when I was here. At, at what point at what point did you I know you said your coach took you to go play football and you was like, I don't want to do this. At what point did you feel like all right, football is something that I actually like to do? And then at what point did you feel like all right, football is something that I'm actually good at? Right. So I think for me it was backwards. Because I didn't I, I didn't know what football was. I I uh, the the idea of a better life, you know, go to college was always something that my parents mentioned to us. Um but the the vehicle, the the what it is that helps you get there was really never discussed. So once I started playing football, for me, it was realizing that I, all right, I was pretty good at this before I was like, man, I really like this. Mm. It was, I'm pretty good at this and I can see myself maybe getting helped. That's, that's what I thought about in the beginning, getting helped to go to college. Maybe not a complete scholarship, but just as, as a means to get me there and, and kind of, make some resources available to me once I get there. At what age, at what age did it hit you to know that, you know, football wasn't actually a thing that can pay for your education? Like, when did you figure that out? Who kind of told you that? So probably freshman year of high school, um, I, I, I had the opportunity to go to a, a private school just based off my athletic ability. Um, they were able to kind of help me out financially. 
And it just so happened that the guy that was coaching me for CYO was a football coach there. So I, I reunited with him uh, with regards to sports and um, somewhat, you know, school related environment. And he was the one that was in my ear about, you know, if you stick to this, you could probably go to school for free. Mm. And to an immigrant kid whose goals were have a better life than your parents and their tutelage was always go to college. When they say you can go to college for free, you're like, all right, I'm <laughs> going through this wall. Yeah, this is what I think you to go to college for free. So that was always my mindset um, after that. Just kind of. Whenever you got to high school, did you still have friends that you communicated with in DR or did you kind of leave that behind entirely? Yeah, so I mean, that's that's been that's been. Um, so I, I have I haven't gone back since I've been here. Oh, wow. So I, I've uh, I've had opportunities, but and the irony of this is sometimes sports has gotten in the way. Mm hmm. Because wow. I might have been doing the Christmas tournament when the holidays are coming up and somebody's uh, we're taking a trip, but I have a Christmas tournament and you know I was involved. I'm like I'm I'm I have a goal in mind to go to school for free at any cost, and so I would miss some of those opportunities um, because something always happened to show up. Um, and then as you come here. You know, your your intermediate your your family's here uh, at this point. You know, I have cousins that are in the Dominican Republic. Um, my grandmother was in the Dominican Republic, but she passed away um, my freshman year of college, and so it was almost like in my eyes, it's like you know what, I I really have no reason to go back. But you know, so I've grown detached to that uh, part of my life, but not the culture. I, I mean, I experience it every day. You know, when I'm in my household, I'm talking in Spanish. I'm eating food. I'm listening to the music. You know, besides going back and actually being in the island, I mean, I'm I'm doing everything up here. Yeah, for sure. Do you Can miss I it sometimes? Want yeah, go ahead, bro. You miss it sometimes? Me? Oh. When it gets cold up here, the winter, <laughs> that's something you really, get used to. you really don't get used to that stuff. Just the winter time and, and, and the snow. And, and at first, you're like very excited when you first get here and you learn real quick. You're like, man, this is tough, you know, because the first time we had a major snowstorm, my brother and I, when we when we first came here, we were living right across the park and snow started falling down for the first time and we're like excited i'm like oh man we've never seen snow before my dad's gonna take us outside and we go out there and we try to do the most american thing we can think of and we try to build a snowman <laughs> and we go out there trying to build a snowman and we have no gloves on and Bro, we're out there for a solid like, half hour we can't feel our fingers our fingers are like this by the time we <laughs> And we don't know what to do with them because we can't feel a thing and it hurt. So we turn on the hot water in the sink and we just put our hands in there and they made it worse. Mm -hmm. we were to our eyes. It was, and then from then mm -hmm. on, it was like, you know what? I've had my experience with snow. That's, a <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really what kind of, and, and so when times like that happen in the snow, the cold, you do miss it. Um, 
and just the way of uh, the the way of life, the things um, you uh, deem important down there, you know, is a little different than up here. Um, how so? How so, bro? So you know, just like I said, my, this is only my experience. I'm sure pretty somebody's gonna have something different to say. Uh, uh, I'm sure if you ask like uh, one of our former teammates, Andreas Kanapi, what his experience is as far as being a foreign uh, student athlete, his is gonna be different because he had that connection. He would always go back, mm -hmm. you know. Um, with me, it was different because I can only go off of what I remember when I was a young kid. Yeah. So I just remember it being very relaxed. You know, people are waking up early. They're hanging out by stores, listening to music, you know, people are going to work, coming back around noon, taking naps for like an hour or so, <laughs> back to work. That's true. Everything just, you know, island life, you know, that's that's really kind of how you can sum it up. You know, the weather's beautiful and you're just a little more relaxed. For me growing up, you know, we had we had chickens growing up. We had some crops, you know, it was right there in your backyard. You will go out picking fruit. It was a little less stressful. Mm -hmm. I, great. If I could just sum it up into uh, into some more, it's just less stressful, um, and you you uh, you appreciate the little things um, a little more. Because I I mean I know coming in here as far as a culture, American culture, there's there was a lot of stuff that was I saw early on that were taken for granted. You know, um, I grew up in a place where. You know, there were dirt floors. You know, you're living in a wooden house with tin roofs, you know, no AC, just a few fans. You didn't have a legit bathroom. You could have had, you know, a kitchen and and and, and a water hose and, and a curtain. That was your bathroom. And you had, you know, you had outhouses, you know, latrines that you would I didn't know what a toilet was till I, I mean I didn't see a toilet till I came to the US. Wow. You know, so um, so that is the perspective. So even when just going through just going through life now as an adult, after experiencing all those things, I appreciate little things more so than maybe some other people that didn't grow up in that sort of environment. With that said, bro, um, did you whenever you got to college, did you use football as a tool to live a better life than your parents had growing up? Or did you want to use that as an avenue to millions, like most people do whenever they get to college? Just that 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 was never my mindset, to be honest with you. Even once I was into college, um, because it, it was always, you know, go to college, do well, you know, graduate, and then live after that. You know, just just have a career. And then it wasn't until because I didn't grow up with anybody that went to college, played a division one, you know, sport. It, it was I was the first one around kind of my circle that was doing that. And so the expectations for me were never that to become a millionaire. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. always just get to school because I was my goal. <laughs> get to college, have it be paid. And, and just do the best you can be as far as being a good student and take care of business. And then from then on, it's just kind of um, have a career and, and, and just kind of every parent, I, I would say now that I'm now that I'm a father, you want you want your you, you know, you 
you want your ceiling to be your kid's floor. Mm -hmm. So that's where you want them to start off. And my parents were that way. I'm going to be that way. I have some experience now as somebody who's gone to college. I can tell my daughter, like, this is what you should probably want to do. This is what's going to help you out more once you get into the real world. This is going to put you out there so you can have more success. You know, with me, it was like, I don't know what major to pick. I'm in college now. I just didn't sure. know, you know what's going to is a degree going to be enough or is there to this thing? Yeah. Ty, I wanted to ask, uh, just on the same lines of what Ty was saying, but coming from the DR, right, and then making that move to the U.S., um, like, did you have any heroes in or like people that you looked up to from the Dominican Republic, you know, aside from family or were, was there anything that kind of motivated you since you weren't playing, you know, you weren't in the football yet and then you got to America? You know what I mean? So was there anything that kind of like uh, was driving you besides your parents, you know, direction? And all, and all for that, as they like growing up in America, a lot of us, um, you know, we look at athletes as our heroes. We do. We, we do. Have, you know, the LeBron James, the Allen Iverson, the Michael Vicks. Is Kobe. Kobe. Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Carmelo. Not, not many <laughs> Carmelo, but. That was DB's <laughs> boy for the still, but, right? But yeah, that's that's a good question, man. Was there anybody in that light in your eyes? Oh, I mean, like I said, just taking it back to baseball. Baseball. You no, know, it's you see people playing all the time, and 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 as as a culture, we'll be very prideful of the oh, yeah. success that uh, um, a lot of those athletes were having in the major leagues. You would hear about it all the time, and you went. You know, and you heard from the rack to riches stories Man. Of, of like a Sammy Sosa growing up for me. Yeah. Um, and, and those guys, you know, a guy that was going out there shining shoes. Yeah. And now he's, you know, playing baseball <clears throat> at the highest level and, you know, leading the league in home runs and, and, and just putting you out there on the map. You know, you hear about a small little island and then, it, yeah. you know, there's some pride to that. So you, you look at that and then you're like, man. That's crazy as a kid growing up, but yeah. I was fortunate with my parents because growing up, but you know, not everybody is lucky enough to make it. Mm -hmm. Or every Sammy Sosa you see, there's a bunch of people you see around you growing up that wow. gave a lot of everything they had going on around them to give it a shot. And by the time they're old enough, you know, it's too late. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not getting picked when they're 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And it's a tragedy now because you, you've been part of an academy, let's say a baseball academy. And 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 because the regulations are not the same really over there. Um, I don't know if uh, you guys are too familiar with that stuff, uh, but somewhat. Um, but you, you, I mean, the education system sometimes I remember being in second grade. Being in there with like an 18 year old. Trying to figure stuff out, you know, because whether whether he had to leave for some reason or just never really got involved in school. And then he's just trying to kind of pick up the slack and learn. Um, but you, you hear about tragedies like that all the time where, you know, this guy was a baseball player and now he's not or he, he was on his way to be and now he's not. And and it's like after that, there's really no more other opportunities. That's why coming to America was so important. Because 
there's other avenues there's other things you can do over there i mean besides baseball and getting rich doing that mm. for a little kid like me at least for me the experience of mine was it, it was really nothing else to be honest yeah. gus growing up here uh when we talk about our heroes like dana zay and i we grew up in a real sports heavy environment so like the people that that we admired growing up we actually felt like that was an attainable goal like you growing up seeing sammy sosa and the people that come from dr did you guys feel like you were actually able to attain that goal or is that something that you just looked at us like wow he's like god and we can never touch anything like that no i think i think every kid goes out there you know you're throwing around anything you could throw around playing baseball all the time i'm talking about you know school's done you do your schoolwork. I, I know for me, it was like, you know, my parents were on me. My mom was on me. Like, I got to do my schoolwork. You know, you, you get home, you have a uniform on, you take it off so you don't get it dirty so you can, you know, wear it the next day. And then, um, you know, you do your work and then go out and, you know, you go around and play. And and sometimes, you know, for me, I, I'm a, like I said, I didn't really, I wasn't really into sports. I was, I was forced into sports by, uh, you know, by by the, the electricity in my town going out now i can't be watching tv i gotta go outside and do something so those things was really was kind of kept me i'm out here playing catch i'm out here kind of running around playing some other kind of games but i was i was a real homebody growing up and and but it, baseball was so around me that you know you could just pick it up and play and and do whatever somebody was playing some type of game yeah. off the round baseball and with regards to just kind of looking at goals and seeing people playing and is that obtainable uh you know every kid thought you know i'm gonna go out there and do the same thing sammy sosa had the formula i'm gonna shine shoes i'm gonna mm -hmm. keep playing and i'm gonna be a millionaire yeah but you're naive when you're a young kid yeah for sure and then you know i come here and you know school is the number one thing um education is the number one thing and those are the things that were instilled in me by my parents and then you know i was just so happy, just so happy <laughs> you know I, I i got okay at football you know and then i took it very serious and then got better over time and had the opportunity to get a scholarship you know but all those things that whole process to me was just a funny thing you know i was just happy i was going along for the ride and you know i went so you know like i said my freshman year of high school i went to a private school because of sports you know and then my brother was coming up from eighth grade but financially they couldn't take care of both of us so we ended up going to a, uh, a public school together and then once i was at a public school uh, we played football together for a few years i got hurt i told my acl and then because i was a good student i was a good kid uh, somebody um, got, in, got in touch with the, the same gentleman that I was talking about earlier, Pat, Pat O'Neill, and, you know, said, do you know anybody that would take advantage of an opportunity to maybe go to a boarding school and do well there? And my name was one of the first ones he mentioned. I took a visit. They liked me. I went up there. And so I had the opportunity to go to a boarding school for two years, uh, a boarding school that around the time might have been more expensive than most colleges to go there. You know, you're talking about upwards to like $40,000 a year 
to go to a school like that and get an opportunity to do that. And, wow. and so I was just going for the ride. I wasn't taking any of that stuff for granted because I knew where I came from. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, too. I'm in there. I'm in there rubbing shoulders with 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 kids that have oil money. People coming from you know, coming from Switzerland, coming down. They're taking, they're taking limo, limo rides to New York from New Hampshire on like a long weekend. And you know, it's it was just crazy to me. And so I, I really just kind of enjoy all those things. But what, what was the experience like with your roommate? That, oh, that- over there? <laughs> oh man, my boy Luke Robinson. It, you know, it, it's funny because you know I go there and you know we meet each other for the first time. He's from Australia. I'm I'm you know I'm from the Dominican Republic, but I, I've already been in the U.S. for quite a bit, you know, quite a bit. And you know, I have an accent to him. He has an accent to me, and it was a hard time understanding each other for the first two weeks. Man, I didn't know what he was saying. And then you know, they would have he would have different uh, different words for for certain things that that you know, to them flip flops weren't flip flops. You know, I remember one time we're sitting in the room where we're doing study hall and, you know, he's on his computer. I'm on my computer doing work and he just looks up and he was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go to Walmart and, and uh, get myself some thongs. <laughs> I looked at him. I was like, what? He was like, get myself some thongs. And I was like, man, Luke, if I see you walking around, there's going to be some problems. And he was all confused at first with me. But you know, he caught himself and he was like, Oh no, no, that's not what I mean. You you call them flip-flops. Flip-flops. You know, little things like that. You know, at first it was just trying to understand each other. And you know, I remember one time where where uh I told him, Oh man, I'm gonna go take a shower. I'm I come back, he's not in the room anymore. But because he knows I'm in I I just went into the shower, he knocks on the door and he's asking me if I'm decent, you know, for him to come in. And I didn't know what he said. I couldn't understand anything he was saying. And he was asking me if I was somebody else. Are you decent? When he said, when he asked me, uh, are you decent? I was like, nah, man, this is Gus. This is Gus. <laughs> Bro. Poked his head through that door and was like, what? And we what? walked through each other maybe for like five minutes. He's like, he didn't know what to do. We were like, man. Said, Someone no, like, was listening to y'all laughing. Like, oh, that's what you're saying. <laughs> I thought you were calling me something else. <laughs> whenever you, uh, whenever, whenever you got to college, that's whenever you got your um, your U.S. citizenship. Oh man, yeah. Was um was that something that was like a big deal? Was that a burden off your shoulders to to become a U.S. citizen now in college? Yeah, I mean that's. That that is a milestone in letting you know you you've assimilated your your part of 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 this country now. Wow. And there's, I don't care who you are. There's always, you know, sometimes immigrants they 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 walk on eggshells sometimes when they're in a country they're not usually from because they feel like if you know if you get in somewhat of any trouble, you're you're getting deported. Mm-hmm. You're 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 subject to losing. Uh, you know, your green card or, or, or things like that. And so for me, that was like a huge milestone and let me know I've been accepted as part of this culture now. And, you know, I was the first one to do it. 
And then, then there was my brother and then there was my father. And I remember when I was going through the process, they give you this little civics book that you have to study. And I don't know if, if you remember this, Ty. Mm -hmm. You know, I would read through this thing and the questions they were asking me, I'm like, man, I'm never gonna be an American. <laughs> the questions, you know, were pretty tough at first because you, you know, you don't really know about those things, especially early in college. You uh you're so ingrained into just playing sports and doing the schoolwork. You know, you almost forget about the other things in the world uh, because it occupies so much of your time. And you know, I'm studying this book. You know, they're asking you how many how many representatives there are in this and Congress and all of this and all of that stuff. You really didn't, you know, really think about know, like that. I didn't even know that. Yeah, you know. So it was. Yeah, it's crazy. So, it was, so I, you know, I, I was sometimes I would give Ty the book and he would ask me questions. Sometimes I, I remember Michaela would come by and Michaela John, and then she would ask me questions and stuff like that, and I would study. And I remember I took a trip down there and. Uh, to New Hampshire to get my to take the test, and it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. They asked me maybe three questions, and they were like, "All right, you're all set." And then you know, Michaela uh, loved asking you questions from that book. Huh? <laughs> Michaela loved asking you questions from that book. Yeah, well, we were all getting it wrong. <laughs> you know, how, how long was that process? How long was it? Uh, yeah. So it's an application process that you go through. Uh, you got to pay some money. And and from what I remember, it was a few months. It's a uh, long time. Mm. It was a few months for me. Um, the process to get me to America was way longer than it was for me to become an American citizen. Um, like I said, my dad came from from the age of three till I was eleven. My dad was working on getting my brother and I here. So it took all those years to get him uh, to get us here. Um, or, or, or to get the U.S. to accept us and, and bring us here. Ten years. Um, Someone, yes, uh, right around there. And, you know, the goal was to get my mom and my brother and I all here together. But mm -hmm. something was mixed up, and my mom actually got accepted first. And so she was here a year before my brother and I were. So my dad was in the U.S., my mom was in the U.S. now. And so now I'm in the DR with my grandmother, and they're both here, you know, so that was a tough little adjustment for me, just kind of being away from both of them. And and but I always knew, as you know, it was it was it was a way to the to the end goal, you know, to get myself here and, and have a better life. Um, Thank you. So then my brother and I came a year after after my mother. But with regards to the becoming an American citizen, that, that for me was a few months. You have any feelings on like right now, like immigration was going on in the country? Do you feel you? Do you ever uh, keep up with that whole whole process? I mean, not really, to be honest with you. No um, politics. No, nah, I try to stay away so much from politics. So do we. Uh, Boy, so why you ask that question? Because bro, he's, a, he's a foreign. Nah, but, he was a foreign student. With regards, with regards, with regards to immigration and all that stuff, for me, it's just you know everybody's experience is a little different. The way, the mechanism, or the reason why you come to this country is always different, and that's something I learned early on. Because, like I said, in the ESL class, right, you meet, people, you, you meet people who maybe they didn't even want to leave their country. Mm -hmm. But they were forced to be here because the situation where they were at was so difficult. And, mm -hmm. and for me, that was even the more humbling experience. You know, I thought I had it bad. 
you know, then when you hear about war torn, torn countries, the, you know, and, and the experiences some of my friends had when they were growing up, it, you know, mine doesn't even compare. You know, I came here for a better life. They came here so they wouldn't die, you know, like it's, it, it's stuff like that, you know, it just puts a lot of stuff into perspective. Yeah, and so yeah. from early on, you know, these are things I understood, you know, and, and so I, I carried myself that way. I, I never really got too high, you know, or too low on things. And so that's serious. That's a good. That's good. I'm sorry, Todd, but no, not too high, too low. That's good. I'll write that down. I, I, think, I think for me, like going to DR put a lot of things in perspective. Um, Cause you know, you go, you're on a resort, but whenever you need to go to like excursions and stuff, you like ride through the neighborhoods and to get yeah. to where you're going. And um, you're kind of just watching, you know, everything go on. You know, you're seeing people out there like literally trying to build their house from Man. ground up with like tin and, and wood yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, you know, you see um, what is deemed to be the nice neighborhoods in Dominican Republic is you're like, this is what you guys consider nice. And then yeah. you come back home and then like, you know, people that's living in the area like we grow up in, that'll be like luxury in DR. You know what I mean? And then pe some people, you know, living in the projects, people in Dominican Republic would love to have, you know, that type of atmosphere. And, um, it, it really put a lot of things into perspective for me to like really, you know, be grateful for what we have over here because man, people would die to, you know, wow. be able to have the living situations that we have. E even if you are in like the lowest of the low brackets here in America, People in DR would, you know, kill to have something like that. Is it that yeah. different compared to PR? Sorry, uh, Gus, I was asking. I have never been to Puerto Rico or Dominican right. Republic. I remember. Um, I, uh, I always try to make it a point. Anytime I go somewhere, like go through like the rough neighborhoods, go through the train. I want to see how they really living. Remember, I rode through. I seen a kid outside. There was a tub in the yard, and they had the bucket of water just scooping, washing up with no regards of anybody walking past. No yeah. nothing. Wow. Mm -hmm. Dang, so, I mean, like, that, that's 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 that was my reality going up. Yeah, you know, it was it was it's raining outside. People are outside while it's raining with a bar of soap, showering mm -hmm. under a gutter. You that's know, it's it was it was uh, things of that. You know, little kids walking around naked, barefooted. Uh, mm -hmm. You know the 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 situation. But I mean, don't get me wrong. Those were the, some of the best years of my life uh, yeah. with regards to just um, looking back at it now and just understanding maybe this is why I'm, I'm the way I am now. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it created a foundation for me when I got here to where I didn't take things for granted. I, I, I tended to be humble about certain things. And, you know, like I said, I never got too high or too low because um of those realities for me when i was growing up mm -hmm. um, and so those things kind of help you and whether and for me to be honest with regards to being a student athlete a lot of guys I, and, and i experienced this a lot of guys tended to struggle when they left high school to go live in college for the first time alone from their parents and um maybe their town would which they probably had never left before in their life 
for me was a qu quick adjustment because I had already experienced uh, uh, moving from a place that was foreign to me. Uh, I didn't speak the language. I, I wasn't comfortable. And so when I got to college, it's like I didn't, you know, miss a beat. I was, I, it didn't bother me that much. Uh, some other guys might struggle if like me. <laughs> <laughs> some other guys might struggle <laughs> home for the first time and and that so and and then also you know I, I i would i would not be honest if i didn't say that maybe going to boarding school for two years for me also set me up in a place to where i already knew study hall i already knew those things and and i was already used to those things so when they told me i got to be at this place from eight to ten do school work i was already used to that and, and so i wasn't really tripping some guys were you know they were twiddling their thumbs like man what am i doing and like you know they didn't they didn't acclimate to the, to the change as quick as quick because i did yeah for sure you're right about that bro guess <laughs> would be in study hall like you know getting doing what he needed to do getting his work done and then we have other guys and they're just rapping and yeah rapping and study hall <laughs> And you, know? you, was, you was making the beats, Ty? Yeah, we was just listening to, to my boy rap and, you know, got, got study hall turned up a little bit. <laughs> got study hall turned up. <laughs> hey, oh, uh, hey, Gus, what did you major in at UConn? So I double major in psychology and sociology. Okay, what played a part in that? Uh, for me, uh, in high school, I remember I took a course and it was um, a psychology course and I, and I found it interesting. Um, I had so many people in my life early on that were helpful that, uh, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, if I was deviating somewhere, I had somebody grab me and be like, nah, don't go that way. This is what you need to do. A lot of people don't have those people around in their lives. Um, you know, it just so happens that, you know, this person was in my life and, and my parents were also very heavy in, in getting me into the right track. Um, and so for me, helping people is something I always wanted to do, being involved in my community, doing these things. And so I knew I wanted to kind of go into somewhat of like maybe social work and all that stuff. But then again, not having people around me like that, that, you know, went to college, and all these things, I was naive to, to the fact of, all right, now I'm done with school. How do you know? I want to take care of people. I want to help people out. But how do I take care of my family? It just so happens to be that you know those sort of jobs, those fields, you know, they're very rewarding, but they're very underpaid and, and not as appreciated. And so, it's true. you know, I was navigating once I got out of college and, and what I really wanted to do and all that stuff. But helping people was always something that um. Um, I wanted to be involved in being kind of like a pillar in my community and, and being that person to where somebody can look at me and kind of maybe come from the same sort of realities or have the same experiences I had growing up and and say, you know what, I, I can, you know, go to school, uh, maybe not be a football player. But, you know, this guy's always preaching the the opportunities that are available to me. And, you know, whether it be playing a flute 
I mean, you can go to college for anything, you know. So it's sure. uh, just making making sure people realize that and, and and letting them know, like just get yourself, you know, get your foot in the door, and then from then on is you know put in that work and really think about you know make a real a real business decision when it comes to when you're in school as far as what it is you want to do uh, when you get out of there. Place yourself in a scenario where you know you're ahead of the pack. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, I th- I think this was good. Did you guys you guys got any other questions for Gus? Um, I got I got one thing I was thinking about Gus, man. Um, I was just checking out some different stuff, bro, and um, I I, I came across a a story that was talking about a condition that you you uh you came down with in 2013, bro. That uh, you know, it affected your health. Yeah. Greatly. You you know yeah. what I mean? I think it was before the season. It was like a it had something to do with blood clots, and I yeah. think in uh in your uh your breathing right yeah 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 so yeah so, yeah. so that was uh that was early into my junior year um you know we finished camp you know at that point i was i was starting um going into the season as a starting a starter at right guard mm-hmm. and we had our first few games and i remember we had an early bye week and i just remember we had a few days off and I was feeling kind of a little under the weather. And then we came back and we had an indoor practice in uh, Shank. And I just remember just ha- having difficulty breathing. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, there's no way I got out of shape in four days. <laughs> four days. I'm running around now and I'm like, I, I can barely breathe. Mm-hmm. And that went on for a few weeks. And it was getting worse and worse, but I really wasn't telling anybody. And it wasn't till it really started affecting me outside of football. You know, it wasn't just practice or the games. It was me walking to class on campus. You know, mm-hmm. my, my leg is getting tight. My, uh, I, I can't have a long-winded conversation with somebody. I have to stop right. myself and take a breath. Um, so it was really affecting my, my ability to be involved in the classroom. And I just remember thinking, like, man, this is – is something must be wrong and you know it got to the point where then i started getting like palpitations in my heart and um it went on from you know me just having difficulty breathing to that and, and it got to the point where i'm like man I, I don't know what's wrong with me i'm not really being completely honest with everybody and they got to the point where like i would leave my by this time you know we're living in in our in apartments you know, everybody got their own individual room. You got your little lock to your room. You go to sleep. I was leave. I was leaving the door unlocked because I felt like I might not wake up. That's that's sure. how serious it got for me because you know, with with my heart, the palpitations. You know, I would be sleeping in the middle of the night, and it would feel like somebody was like pounding my chest, like wake up. You know, and so I was. I would get up real quick, and I would just kind of be like, man, there's no one here, and like, and then my breathing was was a little shot. And then I started talking to the trainers after that. And that's when um, I remember we played, maybe we might've got, we might've got done with uh, South Florida and then we were getting ready for the next game. And I couldn't even make it through warmups. And I was like, man, you guys got to take me to the hospital right now. And so they took me to the hospital and then that's when the doctor came back and, you know, he was like, let's talk cold Turkey. And he sat me down and he was like, yeah, you know, we got to shut you down. Uh, you have what's called myocarditis, which is like swelling in the lining of the heart. Uh, and it's affecting the pumping capacity of your heart. And, and this, is, this, is, this is 
real scary part for me was, you know, he was like, we don't know if it's getting better. We don't know if it's getting worse. But we have to monitor you right now. All I remember him saying is like, your pumping capacity needs to be at a certain point. I was less than 50% of that. Jesus. So I was out for a few weeks. And then once I started rehabbing again, they put me on some medication. That's when the block clots were were made clear because I would do some conditioning stuff and the leg would hurt. Yeah, or something like my leg, my calf was getting tight. It was getting it was getting warm. It was getting hot. And, was getting big. and as soon as I told them that, they rushed me to the hospital right there and then. They were like, "Oh, we gotta take you to the hospital again." And that's when they did the test, and they were like, "You have block clots in your legs and in your lungs." Um, so you're completely shut down now. So I was I wasn't able to do anything, and so they put me on blood thinners. And then, you know, I didn't do uh, any, I didn't finish the rest of the season. I didn't do any of the winter conditioning. I didn't do any spring ball. And then I was rehabbing enough to where I did some of the summer workouts and then made it through camp. And, you know, we had, we had quite a bit of turmoil at, at UConn with regards to coaches. So, um, oh, man, a lot. We had a new coach come in and all that stuff. I was lucky enough that I was playing. I was happy enough to be playing when all this stuff was going on, that I was still in consideration to get a lot of snaps, you know, because a new coach comes in, they want to get their guys in there. Uh, so that that's that's just kind of – so that, that was like, again, that, that's my perspective with all those things. So I was just – I was going for the ride, man. I was just enjoying being part of it, you know, traveling, going on the plane, going right. to the city. Uh, Having some some uh, clam chowder. <laughs> I was looking at the little things. I was looking at the little things, and I was just enjoying all the little things because of my experiences growing up. And I, I knew that uh, everything that I was experiencing now was, you know, far above and beyond where I would have been at that age if I had stayed in the Dominican Republic. For sure, it was so crazy because me and Gus was roommates at the time, and neither one of us could play football. Yeah, <laughs> you got room. Not, you got in that room, man. You say that. Yeah, I'm just saying there's a few guys because you know they they you know with the football team they would rotate rooms around and you know there was you know some guys were juniors they were there before and they move on to a different spot then they put some other guys on the football team and I remember those two rooms the two guys that were there before had some pretty serious injuries. Yeah, you put us in there. And we was in there, man. I almost thought of having my, my mom come through and do a few prayers. <laughs> you know y'all got that Latin connection, too, so both of y'all families. We used to always say that. Like, man, this room is cursed, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so was, I don't, we didn't know what it was, man. It was just we went out around the same time. Yeah. You know? So I remember I was out, and then I think I might have been walking around. What was that? I don't remember if I was out of I, out of, I, I don't remember if I was practicing when you got hurt, Ty. Yeah, I don't remember. I think I think I think I because I, I remember I might have walked over. So I, I definitely wasn't on the offensive side of the ball. I was probably right in the middle of the two fields. Cause I walked <laughs> over to where you was at before you were taken away in the ambulance. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Gus was one of the people. Remember I told you about um the experience with my academic advisors. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gus was one of the people that they told not to hang out with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. 
They said they said that boy was a bad influence. <laughs> they said he was a trapper. I don't know why, man. We were just like we came back, you know, we would sit down and talk about these things and we were like, I don't understand. I mean, they they I guess you know <laughs> label you with you know with where you come from and I I have no idea how they would even arrive at that, you know. They you know, Ty, I'm actually very proud of Ty because he he the level of development with regards to his involvement with schoolwork now and and just all that stuff is just is great to see from when he first got there to where he is now, you know. Like they, 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 they would confuse Ty with you know they would be they would always say is a lack of intelligence when really if you had a conversation with him it was never that it was a lack of maybe effort, and they would confuse those two things. And they would just deem you like, you know, you're just not smart enough. When really it was just it, at the time, you know, more just like a lot of kids, he wasn't just uh, interested. But you should now, have seen where we came from with this guy. He put that up, he's putting that up <laughs> now. And it's it, and I'm telling you, man, it's, it's it's great to see from me, Ty. Appreciate you, bro. No, I really, Thank I really, you. really appreciate you. just you doing what you're doing keeps me motivated now. And I gotta do something. You know, you put it. <laughs> Put something up you doing in the gym. I'm like, man, I gotta get in there. Like, get in there. <laughs> you, know, you, you out here posting about reading a book. I was like, man, I gotta get a few pages into it. <laughs> he really don't be reading that for real though. Listen, I was lucky enough to have Ty as my roommate because you know those people rub off hey. on you. Hmm. Yeah. Those people rub off hmm. on you. Whoever you hang around with, they they just rub off on you. So you, know, you brush shoulders with them, and some of that stuff sticks with you. So if you if you yeah. hanging around yeah. some people who are really not up to doing the right things, all that stuff is gonna you know you're either gonna be and uh, in, getting involved yourself, or you're gonna be guilty by association. And, wow. Mm-hmm. And so, it always comes down to that saying: yeah. you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So oh, that's that's true, man. Yeah, your company. But, you know, just I just gave you a little bit of uh, kind of my experience with regards to just kind of going through school and 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 being part of that stuff. But um, yeah, like we- I said, it, everybody's everybody's little experiences might be different, and that's why I really like what you guys are doing. This platform right here, you guys are giving us, um, and and you're showing uh, people out here that what what it's like to be a student athlete. Um, mm-hmm. uh, overall but you know just also letting them know that 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 doesn't completely define who we are yeah that's not that's not everything we do and that's not everything we're about um you know you kind of um it's good to see people now outside of football and so you can see kind of what kind of realm they've involved that they've evolved into oh yeah Um, and i mean I, i i'm gonna be honest i've taken a lot of those uh um qualities that you know went into being a good student athlete, being a good football player, into you know your day to day life, you your 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 work, and how you carry yourself, and you could tell a difference. You know that a lot of people tend to gravitate towards you, and and a lot of people, whether it be supervisory uh, uh, folks, people that are in supervisory positions, and and people who are you know high level positions, they take notice of you, and and they see you, and they're like, man, I really like how this guy carries himself. So that's so true. Don't, don't don't even for those folks that are still in school, man. Take take advantage of everything you got. Uh, continue to uh, apply those things you're learning in school, whether it be hard work, 
putting in the effort and really buckling down and having good time management and and those things are gonna you know make you successful um consider your major you know um i know early on this is i mean ty talk about the academic part of it coming into school you know we we had a few guys that when we come in they would be like no nah, you can't do that it's too much time yeah. there's too much outside of um the weekly uh the weekly uh kind of schedule you know it would go from the weekdays maybe you have something on the weekends but you couldn't really participate because you're doing sports you're going whether it be traveling to a game um or or something else you know you you wouldn't be set up for success um and so i saw that and that was kind of a little little negative but um petroleum engineering Part of being a student, man. <laughs> yeah, that's part, that's part of it, man. So we got to get people kind of everything. But again, I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, learned a lot from it. Man. Yeah, thank you, guys. Hopefully, some a kid from the DR sees this, man. That would be good. You know what I mean? A young in this yeah, coming yeah, up. Well, whoever, man, man you you want to have an impact. And, and actually, let me just tell you this story too, because um, <clears throat> I remember I went back to uh, I came back from college. I went to go visit some of my old my old teachers and uh, i went remember going back to uh that gentleman's classroom pat o'neill and he you know he put me on blast right on front not not on blast but he kind of put me at center stage and you know he told me hey go out there and speak to the kids and you know at this time they're kids that are very impressionable um and kids that come from somewhat of the same background i come from and you know i went out there and kind of told them my story and spoke to them and you know, he opened it up for questions. And I remember one of the one of the little girls from the Dominican Republic and she asked me. She asked me. Um, when you think now. Do you think in Spanish or English? <laughs> and I thought that was one of the most profound questions to this day I've ever been asked. And I had to sit back and I paused for like 30 seconds. And I was like, man, at this point in my life, you know, <laughs> I would have conversations with myself, you know, mostly English. Like anytime man. I have a thought in my head of what I want to do, I'm talking to myself in English. And so much so now that after that question, if I catch myself talking to myself too much in English, I switch it up and I'm like, nah, I'm talking to myself in Spanish now. Hey, <laughs> you know? That's good. Yeah, so you know it's it's there's a lot going on sometimes in here because you got to process a lot of different things, you know. So yeah. it's mm -hmm. that's, that's again, that's, but everybody's experience is different. You know, think about somebody who comes into college and they've only been in the, in America for three years or, yeah. or so. You know, their 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 language barrier is 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 a little thicker than mine, a little little you know a little more difficult than mine, and and so. You know, like I like like I said, one of the names that comes up to my to mine is Andres Canap. Uh, yep. So, but uh, that's a guy we play with. Yeah, make sure you hit that follow button for my boy <laughs> down there. Hey, hey, you know what, man? I really be on social media like that. So now, now you, you got to start. Be on. Now you about to be on. <laughs> you got to start. Don't be on to let you log in so you can see your followers. And hey, listen, man, anytime, anytime you got some more topics you want to discuss, you want to have me on, just let me know. I'll get on, man. Yeah, so no I, I, I want to be part of a lot of, of what you guys talk. I mean, I tune in every week. I listen. 
And as, as I'm listening, I'm like, man, I wish they said this, or that's great that they said that because I wasn't thinking about that, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. That's good. Uh, we'll, get you, we'll get you back on, man. So Make sure I, you ain't speak, you ain't thinking in English too much. No, <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna tell Ty's like you might have to edit me left and right in here because I might say some stuff. You know how I be. Yeah, I know. I worked on it. <laughs> My public speaking is a little better now. <laughs> well, we appreciate you, bro. I'm gonna shoot you a text after this, dog. Appreciate right. you, my guy. All right, bro. All right, guys. You later. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to meet you. <laughs> there you have it, man. Hearing from, you know, the foreign student athlete, hearing that experience was a real eye-opener for a lot of us. Um, you know, some things that we think is, you know, we have rough. It's really, um, you know, it's really peanuts compared to, you know, what some people grow up, you know, experiencing so it was good to hear that experience it was good to hear about you know what they thought about sports growing up who their heroes was um you know and you know really getting the feel of that dominican republic vibe as a, as a young student athlete or as a young person growing up man so it was good to have gus on but as always, make sure you go ahead and hit that follow button for status 412 underscore on IG. Hit that follow button right there. Let's and go. We'll see y'all next time, man. We appreciate y'all, man. Keep tuning in. Subscribe. Status Podcast.